0: Hello and welcome to the History Film Club. I'm Alex
1: von Tunzelman, a historian and screenwriter.
0: And I'm Hannah Gregg, a historian and a historical consultant to film and television.
1: We've got a very exciting applicant to join at the History Film Club today, Hannah, Elizabeth
0: Talbot. Yes, so I first met uh, Lizzie Tolbert when I was working with Bridgerton, the Netflix series that's set in Regency London. And um, so Lizzie trained originally as a movement director and fight director, but now she mostly works as an intimacy director, uh, which is a relatively new but a very important role in TV and film productions because she's responsible for choreographing sex scenes on screen and ensuring everyone's safety on set. Now, as well as Bridgerton, she's been really busy with a number of forthcoming dramas, including The Nevers. But as we know, the History Film Club is for people who love history and TV and film. And Lizzie's job is literally to put the love scenes into TV and film dramas. Um, So I'm really excited to welcome her today. Hi, Lizzie.
2: Alex thank you so much for having me today
1: thank you for coming on the show and it's the first question that everybody asks you why didn't I think of doing this job (laughs) this sounds really cool (laughs) (laughs) but it sounds like you got into it quite recently you went you started out doing movement and fighting so what led you down the sexy road Yes, well, I mean,
2: I can categorically say that, you know, as a five-year-old, I did not grow up thinking that this is what I would become when I was older, (laughs) (laughs) I promise. I thought I'd much rather become like a sword fighter or or, uh, some, especially down the historical route. Um, I've always loved uh, any swashbuckling film of any type um, since I was quite small. Um, But I really got into this through um, a sort of combination of um, stage combat and movement. Well, one of the things I was always struck with was that, you know, it was, we could solve people's problems when we came in as a fight director, you know, um, or as a stunt coordinator, you know, we could solve the problems of what does this scene look like, uh, what are the skills needed, What is the um, what are the techniques needed to accomplish this scene and, and um, really provide dexterity of storytelling. However, when it came to intimacy, um, there was sort of just no framework for it. There weren't sort of the... the the techniques that we have, there there weren't the um, sort of protocols that we know um, exist in sort of the fight world and the movement world, so I sort of started really sort of thinking about this in 2015 and wondering, you know, what can we really do about it? Um, I had an interesting experience when I was sort of 18, being asked to sort of, uh, you know, go off and and make a kiss happen, and I just remember standing very awkwardly in front of um, one of my friends wondering how we were going to do it without really much direction and sort of like i can absolutely promise you it looked terrible um and so <laughs> one of the things was is that you know how how can we navigate this and um in sort of i think 2016 i, I met someone in america who was doing a very similar thing a lady called uh, tanya cena and um she was a lot further on than i was and she'd already created sort of like um, some protocols and so um we sort of Collaborated and, and stayed in contact and um, yeah that's sort of where this where this all came from.
0: But you said you know that what you loved when you were sort of younger was the swashbuckling sort of dramas and that's what took you perhaps down the fighting route. Were there any dramas in particular that stood out for you and thought well actually I really want to be that person on that ship swiping that sword around and?
2: Oh absolutely. um I grew up on uh, the Three Musketeers, the sort of the nineteen seventies versions, um, mm. and I absolutely adored them. Uh, I thought they would look like the most fun things I'd ever seen. Um, and uh, it was just absolutely wonderful um, to watch them, sort of the, um, it looked so spontaneous and it looked so much fun film. Like you you wanted to be part of that cast because you know that they were all having a great time. Um, and so that, yeah, it's that sort of thing that really drew, drew me towards it. Um, yeah and obviously I as a big Star Wars fan as well and that was sort of modernizing the whole swashbuckling aspect of this.
0: I've um, never thought of Star Wars as a swashbuckling, yeah. That's so it's been so separate Sydney in my variation. mind. Like,
1: <laughs> yes, it's right, of course. Lightsaber, that's all you need. But to go from this kind of I mean swashbuckling exciting background, you know, to I suppose it really is, you know, in a sense the sex scene kind of is an extension of that. There's also swashbuckling and uh and tussling, should we say? Hopefully, not actual fighting. That would obviously be upsetting. Um, but I mean, was it kind of a sort of fairly logical step then? I would say
2: so because you know we we deal with a lot of scenes um, as sort of fight directors and stunt coordinators of domestic violence quite often. So they're they're quite intrinsically linked a lot of the time. And what was really mm. fascinating was that we would often not really have any problem with the you know if there was a slap, we would be able to choreograph that quite well. But sort of the the int- intimacy and the chemistry um that sort of came along with that was often one of the harder things to find um and to sort of physically articulate
1: and so at what stage do you come on to the production do you you literally just join them on set or do you prefer to work with the actors a bit beforehand um to get to know them I mean because it must be quite hard to establish you know well, a, a sort of form of intimacy between you and them I imagine
2: Yeah, of course, uh, a really good working relationship with the actors is an absolute must. Um, We need to be able to um, sort of uh, have that connection with them because, you know, we're there to help them feel safe. Um, And if we don't know them, that can be quite an intense trust exercise. So I always say to people, you know, as early as possible, um, you know, please bring us on as as early as you can into the process Um, because we can help, you know, structure things from, from then. Um, rather than sort of being phoned the night before and saying, oh, can you come in? Because we, we haven't really got any context to work in. And one of the things mm-hmm. that um, I always try and make sure is that, you know, an actor is never having to, su- to decide what their boundaries are in the moment. Because if you're having to yeah. do that, the chances are is that they've already been crossed. So our job is all about the preparation work. You know, um, what goes in beforehand, you know, communicating with actors, working out, you know, legally, w- what's the limits? What are we not going to show? And um, how are we going to choreograph and storytell the actions that we've got?
0: So, I mean, when you see dramas that you haven't worked on now, can you tell whether or not that scene has been well choreographed? Or are there things that make you wince when you think, oh, actually, particularly older dramas before they had an intimacy Mm. coordinator on set? And are there kind of, you know, things that you see happen on screen that you think are definitely wrong and shouldn't have been happening or dramas that were doing things particularly well or setting a standard earlier on because you know love scenes are so important as well within a period drama aren't they often often a historical narrative has some kind of element of of romance and intimacy that's carrying the story forwards um so yeah when you put your expert eye on things are the ones that that stand out for you as markers of success um, or failure
2: yeah sometimes if i um Sometimes when the actors are really engaging in method, can be quite problematic sometimes because our role really works on separating the personal and the professional. Um, because you know, otherwise you sort of you can really fall into those showmances that aren't really real. Um, one of the earliest things I learned doing this work is you know the the emotions might be real because you know when you are um, like physically connecting with someone. Um, there are hormones that are coursing through your body, like that's very real. But the situation is fake, and that's what we have to get people to remember. And of course, sometimes if you're if you're working with, um, if, you know, if you're working a lot with method acting, it can be quite hard to get those breaks in reality. And so it's very easy to allow these hormones that are coursing through your body to um, feel um, like they're more than they actually are. If that makes sense and the ability to um, break that connection and just just remember, you know what, I am in a fluorescent lit room on a Tuesday afternoon rehearsing for you know, this. <laughs> and, that, and that's what I love people to remember. Like That's what we've really got to get into. Um, it's great to sort of go there, but you have to be able to get back to. Um, not just carry around all this intimacy work, you know, out the door with you. You've got to, we, we do a lot of work with closure exercises um, to make sure that, you know, people aren't are aren't, aren't carrying um, what they've created in the rehearsal room or on set, you know, outside. Um, and I think sometimes that, you know, when I, it's often when you read sort of interviews of people afterwards who sort of say, you know, I had an absolutely horrendous time, you can look back and you can sort of just see it and you just think, oh, how awful for them to have been in this incredibly vulnerable situation, um, either like, you know, in a physically compromising position or, um in the various stages of nudity um and you know you just it sort of ruins the magic of that um, series for you for a while um you know because you know that someone was incredibly uncomfortable during that scene and there was really no need to be but i i honestly do think that there needs to be a clarification here that you know intimacy coordinators aren't the only people that have ever cared about actor safety i think that that's that's incorrect to say there have been so many people particularly you know in the costume department in the hair and makeup department who have stepped out and stepped up for actors all the way through um and again like some directors were just doing the best they could with the knowledge that they had again because no one had really looked into this before um so i think i'm always careful with you know creating a narrative that there's you know hundreds and hundreds of nefarious uh, directors and producers out there you know I honestly think that so many were just doing the best that they could with the knowledge that they had
1: at the time. So Lizzie do you find that it's different working on period drama than on contemporary stuff is it you know if you're doing kind of historical sex is is, is historical sex different?
2: (laughs) Yes and I infinitely prefer it. Ah. I absolutely prefer it. Um, partly because, you know, the costume is so interesting to work with. Um, when you're working with modern pieces, it, it's good and it can be a lot of fun and you can be, you know, often a lot more experimental. Um, but I really do love the detail that is given to working with um, historical dramas. You know, you sort of have the idea of this sort of bodice ripping situation, but we know that that's not the case because um, (laughs) (laughs) you'd have to have hands of steel to do a lot of bodice ripping. um, And you'd also have to have the patience of a saint.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a tin opener. (laughs) Because,
2: you know... Exactly and I think that there's you know often there's this idea that you know like these corsets sort of you whip in and out of these corsets and you just don't (laughs) Um, and so you have to just take your time with it and of course it's like okay so what fills that time well it's a lot of what isn't actual intercourse if that makes sense it's about you know um, uh, like physical touch um, regarding like um, uh, you know various zones on the body but not necessarily, you know, the, the, the physical, you know, insertion and withdrawal, you know, it's, it's so much more interesting than that. It's sort of a hair curl falling on like, you know, the nape of the neck or, uh, you know, looking at collarbones and, you know, wrists, inside of wrists um, and like those sort of details, which are really interesting and exciting to work with um, r- rather than something within, you know, purely intercourse. Um so that's what I really enjoy about working on historical drama It's the unlacing it's their removal <laughs> um, and of course like we know that uh, a lot of that isn't like technically very accurate because people didn't wear underwear and of course like that's a real that's a real sort of um sticking point with a lot of work that we do because the problem is is that like you know crotchless bloomers um don't translate very well on TV no it looks like they're all still wearing underwear and you get a lot of viewers who are like well how on earth is anything happening now they're clearly not having sex they're just sort of like rubbing underwear together and so the and so it it is very difficult to translate that and so there are sort of um like um historical workarounds I guess that, that have to happen with that um But yeah, just, and and also you get a lot more coverage when you're working with, um, you know, period dresses than you do with, you know, um, modern work where it's often, you know, nude straight away.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course, it just takes so long, as you say. Mm -hmm. And I mean, do you think, and also, do you think there are kind of, I mean, obviously, you know, we all know that people in history had plenty of sex, it wasn't invented in the 1960s um, and probably in all sorts of ways, but, you know, do you kind of feel that there are sort of different i mean is there sort of research into okay but what would they have done what would be you know kind of what would be appropriate to the time i mean it's funny you sort of talked about kissing the wrist and i do remember one of the sexiest moments in cinema is in the age of innocence where um daniela mm. kisses Michelle Pfeiffer's wrist and it's just amazing it's just much sexier than any actual sex so mm-hmm. i mean obviously i realize you're not doing porn so we're not talking about you know kind of real (laughs) nuts and bolts and stops and whistles and everything but you know are are there kind of different historical feels to different practices like that?
2: Yes I think that there was this um, misconception that people were only engaging in missionary uh, sexual positions um, until the 1960s where we had sort of this uh, enlightenment period Um, but I think that's just simply not true Um, uh, and also I think you know things had to be a lot more secretive and so i think they had to they did have to get more inventive um you know people were sort of having affairs like left right and center um and you know they were having to uh hide all of this affection and hide all of these you know um uh, relationships and so the, the the concept of just you know being able to have a room where you would Lie down and to perform missionary intercourse. Uh, I just don't think it's accurate. I think people were mm. sort of you know getting very creative with with how it happened. And we know from so many you know um, you know like Victorian pornography that people aren't just doing you know missionary uh, sex. And we you know in um, sort of going right back to the to the Greeks. Um, I remember doing a show very recently where they were um, sort of using um, some very exciting Greek. Uh, uh, artistry for, for vases, on, and they have placed them on the walls, and of, of what was supposed to be sort of this, this, this brothel. Um, and um, it absolutely was not just a pure missionary style. <laughs> and, the, and the concept that people, you know, didn't have oral sex uh, in the historical period because everyone was too dirty, um, and we just know that that's not that's not true. Um, there are so many depictions of it uh, throughout his, history uh, that we see. It
0: definitely didn't stop all them. over the place. I mean. <laughs> yeah exactly (laughs) it's one of the reasons that people are going to find Bridgerton quite surprising I think isn't it is Mm. they um it's that it's quite a lot of sex and intimacy and romance and passion and love in it and we're so used to a kind of Austin vision Mm -hmm. of uh that period in history in terms of an adaptation where no one really does anything very much apart from you know, take someone's hand for the dance floor. Even though Austin implies sex in lots of different places, we never see that on screen. So I think everyone's mm. going to be with Bridgerton as though um, suddenly surprised that people had sex in Regency London. Amazing. Who knew? It is also a very sexy show. I mean, yes. <laughs> yes. you know, it's, it's quite astonishing
1: <laughs> in terms of that. Yeah, it's extraordinary, um, but great to see. I mean, it does bring a very fresh feel to that sort of Austin period drama.
2: Yeah. I mean, something else that um, I think often gets a bit overlooked, and like, like I said, I'm sort of a, a big old, um, uh, like, um, stump geek here, I suppose. Um, but one of the things that I loved, and it's also Regency, is uh, the series Sharp uh, from the mm. uh, very, very, very early 90s. Uh, I think it was Sean Bean's um, a sort of flagship show, I, I, I think. Um, and... Uh, they're obviously dealing with the Napoleonic Wars, um, so we do have, um, you know, we are we are working. I think in uh, eighteen thirteen, uh, which is obviously at the same time as Bridgerton. You know, we've also got them referencing mm. um, people going off to war, and um, uh, they actually deal with intimacy very interestingly as well. Um, I remember one of the first times ever seeing um, someone nude on screen um, was uh, Elizabeth Hurley, and I think the fourth episode of Sharp. Um, I think it was again one of her very early roles, and being like, you know, couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, I but didn't again, know it, 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 I have it, to go
0: back and watch it.
2: Now. Yeah, <laughs> <Seriously. Yes. laughs> Yeah, no, do, do. It's just, um, uh, I really like it because I think they always do a really good job of reusing what was clearly a very small band of extras um, <laughs> in very inventive <laughs> ways because I don't think the budget was very big. Um, uh, but yeah. Um, they they do with intimacy are really interesting in in that series it's quite a long series too um but yeah I would recommend going back and watching it because you know she is standing in you know what we would consider to be a very jane Austen um you know an accurate dress um and suddenly uh she becomes nude on the on the top half, which is very interesting um and so yeah it it that's probably the only real parallel I can kind of think of with Bridgerton sort of being that explicit. Mm.
0: Yeah. Mm. And it shops, that, is that the 90, 1990s? Was it out? I can't really remember yeah. when it was. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if it yeah, predates a, the Colin sure. Firth wet shirt and everything. Do you know
2: what, it, it actually, it, 1993, um, but I think the first one was, a, oh, first episode was, yeah, 1993. It's yeah, Bernard so Cornwall, it's- which is interesting, because uh, he also did um, the Utrecht series, uh, The Last Kingdom, mm, which is yeah. currently on Netflix as well, which also um, deals with uh, historical intimacy, which I really love. I, I love that show. Um, I think there are some incredible performances. Um, as well so yeah if you haven't if you haven't seen the last kingdom like thoroughly recommend it
1: and it was about the same time that he also did i remember uh, lady chatterley as well where he was mellors mm-hmm. so there was plenty of period sex in that as well of course famously yes. quite a lot um yes. so yeah he was kind of he had this early 90s period didn't he sean bean of just getting his kit off yes. the whole time
2: yeah and um like i said I. Uh, I mean, he looks so young and sharp, but um, it it is a Regency series, and it only sort of struck me the other day when I was talking about um, you know, uh, Regency um, sort of sex with with Bridgerton. I was like, actually, you know, like that's that is something else that that deals with it as well. You know, exactly the same year. So mm. It's really fascinating.
0: Yeah,
1: and to kind of pick up on the Sean Bean link, because of course he also. Um, was, well, at the beginning, very big star in Game of Thrones. Um, mm. No spoilers, but the character <laughs> has an interesting <laughs> fate. Um, but, I mean, Game of Thrones, now, obviously, some people will debate whether or not that's a historical series, but it's certainly a series which, a historical fantasy, it kind of plays with a historical setting um, and uses a lot of historical stories and um, folds them in as inspiration. Um, and obviously, that had a reputation for being a very, very, you know, Sex and violence, sex charged show, mm. and I wondered what you thought of the scenes in that.
2: Well, I think you know there's been a lot of press that have that's come out about it since, um, and some of it has been you know obviously quite, quite troubling, really. Um, but one thing that I will say that is that's been really positive about that is HBO were the first channel to openly support intimacy coordinators, and in fact. Um, one of the first intimacy coordinators in the world, in fact, the first intimacy coordinator in the world, was a, a lady called Alicia Rodas, um, who was brought on for the series of The Juice. Mm. Um, uh, so the, the, a series about the porn industry, and they knew that she was investigating um, intimacy work, and they asked her to come and work on The Juice, and um, and they, they took her on as as the world's first intimacy coordinator. So... What's been really good about that is that you know there's the recognition that what was happening was not right, and that they could do better, and they did, which I think is always a, a really fascinating and um, you know a, appropriate and worthwhile thing to do. Um, that they sort of made that that correction, and actually ooh, what was fantastic about it is that because they set that standard, so many other um, networks followed very very quickly um, to make it almost standard today, which is fantastic.
1: Mm. And yeah, it definitely got better as it went on in that respect, I thought. So that's really interesting to yeah. know that there might be a reason.
2: Yeah, I think part of it is, you know, because um, when, when casts come on as the first series, especially if they are unknowns, um, the power dynamic can be um, quite, quite frightening, really, um, because, you mm. know, they are unknowns, they can get cut at any time and replaced. Um, but obviously, as series grow and fans come to, you know, like, love the, love the actor. Their work in the series, um, their sort of power dynamic on set grows, and so they are able to, um, you know, not call the shots as it were, but they have far more say in what they do and what they don't do. Um, And so I think that that's really sort of what happened with Game of Thrones. Is you know by the end there's a far more agency for the actors but again like it's something that you know like that d- doesn't matter whether you're an unknown or incredibly famous everyone deserves the same level of respect on set and every actor owns their own body so um and obviously that's you know where our role comes in as well
0: but you can see then why it's so important to have a third party as an intimacy coordinator setting those boundaries because you know it's so hard for someone to do that for themselves if you're in an environment where you're new against you know very established cast member or a very famous director or how can you even begin to kind of establish all of those kind of parameters but if you have a third party there saying well this is how we do it this is what's acceptable and just organizing everything Mm -hmm. I can see how that takes the pressure off everybody actually um, in terms of how they can get on with doing their job well.
2: Yeah and I think one of the cool things about it is that the you know the future of intimacy coordination, as I see it, will be honestly a lot less about advocacy and far more about the choreography. Because um, mm. I think when we first came in, um, they were pretty much level, if not a little bit more geared towards the advocacy, because there was a lot of education to do, um, you know, around what was appropriate, and what's not appropriate, um, the fact that you know, like there are power dynamics on set. Um, you, you know, I think everyone knew that, but being able to put your finger on it and sort of in, Talk about what the power dynamics were in the room is actually quite different, um, and so honestly, I really do see that you know my my, my hope, I suppose, um, for the role of the intimacy coordinator as this um, th- this role is you know continues over time, is that because the advocacy on set will be so high for everyone, it won't fall entirely on the intimacy coordinator to advocate for for absolutely everyone and anyone. Now, of course they will, but what I think will help is that, you know, the general awareness about advocacy and the general awareness about looking after one another and um, the general awareness of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable is heightened. And of course, we can really sort of get, get on with, you know, one of the key parts of our role, here, which is the choreography. It's the, it's the storytelling. Um, you know, it's the, uh,
0: the artistry um, of the work. We've mentioned a bit about the Three Musketeers being one of the dramas that, mm-hmm. you know, first kind of stood out for you as some um, something that was inspiring and also sharp as this kind of standout period drama. Are there any other history kind of film and TV series that um, you that your go-to kind of wants to relax to or to watch or to 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 look to for inspiration?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, uh, I I really enjoyed the Tudors. Uh, I thought that was that was a
0: really oh, sexy, take. another <laughs> sexy take on um, the past. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, for, for sure. I, I've,
2: I've really, really enjoyed that um, Versailles, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. an, another one. Um, one thing I, I thought was a little bit un, uh, underrated, actually, and um, that's the story of the Medici.
1: Uh, it's oh, on well, funny you should say that. <laughs> I wrote an oh, episode. Oh really? Of it. <laughs> yes. Did you really? I yeah. think it's so fantastic. Sorry, I have to turn oh, my thank you.
2: volume down. Oh, so I'm shouting. <laughs> okay, <was> okay. uh, <laughs> I absolutely adored that, and I'm I'm gutted because I I don't know if there's going to be another series, but I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, well, I thought I was it was riddled with with intrigue, and um, you know. Of course, you've got sort of a, a, a Game of Thrones star in it as well. Yeah, um, they get it, everywhere. Uh,
1: uh, <laughs> Rob Madden. Richard Madden. Yeah, yeah.
2: Richard Madden. Yes. He's who's who's, uh, who's um, the protagonist in the in the first uh, first episode uh, in the first series. Yes, um, mm. I yes, I absolutely thought it was fantastic. Um, oh, good. oh, And the music's <laughs> beautiful.
0: Music's I mean, we
1: can beautiful. skip. We can totally skip tra- straight to letting you in the club
0: at this point. As yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, did but you this- have to write a sex scene? Did you write any sex scenes, Alex, in your episode? Um, I didn't, but there was quite an amusing
1: incident in that because there weren't any sex scenes, and then they were worried there weren't enough. Um, there is one scene in my episode where the actor just performs it completely naked <laughs> for no reason, oh. so it sort of gets a sex scene in there. Um, but I think he was quite keen to do it. It's fine. I don't think he was pressured, from what I understand. Oh, that's that, 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 yeah, it that's is. excellent.
2: I loved that series. I really do. Um, the oh, I, the you, music's stunning. You. Music's absolutely stunning. Yeah, it is. The music's gorgeous. Um, yeah. Yeah. If there's any more of that, let me know. I want to be first in line. I love that series. Oh, well, you know. Um, watch this space.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, it's absolutely fantastic.
1: But um, we do normally yeah. ask Lizzie, our, our applicants, you know, even though we're definitely going to let you in now because I think you're wonderful, um, oh <laughs> to, <laughs> to choose a film or TV show that they particularly love to add to our club library. And you certainly mentioned a few that are fantastic. Um, and I wondered uh, what you would like to nominate.
2: Um, do you know what? I would probably nominate Sharp. And I know that sounds very strange. I, I really, I, I grew up with it. I really enjoyed it. Um, there's a lot of famous people in it that are sort of starting their early career. Daniel Craig has an episode in Sharp. I, I loved I loved the books, um, and I love that Bernard Cornwall at the end of every book does a historical note where he says, you know, this was accurate, this, I completely made this, this aspect of it up. Um, you know, like, like <laughs> this was complete, um, you know, <laughs> artistic license and this. No, this absolutely actually happened. Um, and I thought that they did very well turning those complex books into uh, a tv series with uh, you know a very small budget um so yeah i I would have to
0: actually uh, add sharp to that i think um i think we can have sharp and we can have a kind of screening where we try and spot the actors when they were young and like you know when Mm. they first come on if there's all these famous stars in and be like oh look
2: daniel craig yeah yes
0: miss hurley (laughs) (laughs) it's
2: just like the 90s again yeah (laughs)
1: Yes. <laughs> oh yeah yeah I mean it's actually it's an amazing cast isn't it it
2: really is it really is it's very underrated I think and obviously after that would have to be a close second of my uh, of, of my Medici obsession of course. So, yes
0: of course. oh that's <laughs> in any way
2: <laughs> Alex
1: makes us
0: watch that every as,
1: week <laughs> as it should be
0: as it should be uh, yeah well thank you um, I and think is Lissi- a brilliant choice yeah, I think we have shop. Thank and then, you. Lizzie, we also ask our, um, our members of History Film Club to nominate something that we should ban from the club because we don't want you to come and then feel unhappy with something that we're screening. or And it can be a production or just a pet hate, something that really irritates you um, on screen. What what would you be your um, thing to ban?
2: Um, I'd probably say Game of Thrones, purely because <laughs> um, of the problematic scenes that the actors experienced um, very early on. Um, I think that there is a, a, some redemption because obviously they have paved the way for um, yeah, improvements on set um, with, with my role and, and the leadership of uh, Alicia Rodas but um, I think that it was highly glamorized in the beginning and I think it, a lot of it was sort of a um, cheap plot points. So. Um, that's probably what what i would ban but it's hard you know, i i really love the um i, I really love the 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 very sort of um i love the fantastical aspects of it i uh, i thought the the layout was excellent and i really enjoyed um sort of the world that was created but i think in the execution there was some prob- problematic
1: um, maybe we can nice. just ban some of those little early bits,
0: just snip them out. Yes. Um, and then we can keep all that's the good bits. That's what I would encourage. We could have the redacted yes. version. We can have like. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the edited. The yes, the edited the club, version. The club version, yeah. Although I think one of our other members banned historical fantasy, didn't they? So yes. uh, maybe they kind oh, of sit into but the. I same, wouldn't let him have that because I said it
1: was too, it was too big. Yeah. That like is, it.
0: That's a very yeah. large. Yeah.
1: Can't ban all of it. Very large genre. <laughs> Oh wow! So we'll, no, no we'll more ban Lord of the some Rings. bits.
0: We'll ban some <laughs> bits of Game of Thrones, but but not yeah, all of it. There you go. Um, <laughs> so, our intimacy yeah, coordinator absolutely. has reviewed has reviewed the problematic bits and removed <laughs> <Yeah>. them. <laughs> um, maybe That's replace right. them with better bits. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, you will have to have an official role at the club that involves organising our library and um, yeah, taking out bits that we shouldn't be watching and putting right. in bits that we should. So. Um,
1: And I mean, actually, that brings us round to and I mean, obviously, this has been an entirely neutral process in no way influenced by uh, the fact that you like my series. (laughs) But Lizzie, we would love to welcome you to the History Film Club as a full member. Congratulations. You're in. Thank you very much. Of course, it's a pleasure. It is traditional that we do offer new members a drink from the bar. Now, the bar is equipped to serve any historical drinks that you like or uh, or modern ones. So um, I'll leave it up to you. What can we get you from the bar?
2: Oh, I think it'll have to be a whiskey, please. <laughs> it's been that year. <laughs> a large one.
1: <laughs> Hasn't it just? We'll bring you the whole bottle. <laughs> yes,
0: thank you. <laughs> that's probably most appropriate. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Lizzie. I think, yeah, that's definitely um, something we can provide at our bar. I'll try and find the 1813 version of the whiskey. Thank I'm sure you. we've got some somewhere. Yeah, that's been a fascinating tour of um, sex and history and period dramas. And um, thank you so much, Lizzie. Um And thank you, everyone, very much for listening to the History Film Club. I'm Hannah Gregg. I'm Alex von Tunzelman. And we'll see you again soon.
1: You've been listening to the History Film Club with Alex von Tunzelman, Hannah Gregg and Lizzie Talbot. It was produced by Nat Tapley and Gloaming Productions. Subscribe to hear future episodes with Dan Snow, Amanda Bickery, Greg Jenner, Amanda Ray Prescott, Amara Thornton and many, many more.